sunshine when the stimmy's gone the stimmy's gone people it's i think the money's starting to run out of the system pd pd pablo yeah it's remarkable the amount of people who show up for their interview these days you know yeah used we're to looking be, for a dental yep. used to be you get people who are ghosting you left and right and i don't know if that's the data point that's actually turning it into an employer's market again but i know that i know that it helps Right. It helps get people back to their own personal accountability, their own like, okay, endless stream of free money falling from helicopters is probably over for now. (laughs) And maybe it's time to get back to work. Right. And oh, look at that. Dentistry is pretty awesome. Four days a week, typically pretty good hours, pretty good freedom. Yeah. It's hard work, but like pay is good too. You know, so we're seeing a resurgence in in the, uh, the attendance of the interviews we schedule. Yeah, a lot of things are coming together to to make uh, that happen. We're looking for an assistant at the moment, and for the first time in ages, there's like seemingly a lot of qualified applications coming in, not just uh, people that were formerly greeters at Walmart. Which nothing wrong with that for those listening that are greeters at Walmart, but it's nice to have a little bit of dental experience with the dental assistant. Additionally, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, Pete, but three days ago or four days ago, the IRS halts processing claims for ERC. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the IRS IRS is like, okay, enough. Let's just halt on it right now. Yeah, you know, we we hit that we hit that early with a lot of people on this on the pod, maybe a long time ago, maybe even eighteen months, sixteen months, a year ago. I don't know. And then when I started getting spam calls after spam call after spam call, people being like, "Hey," I was like, "Oh shit, this oh yeah, this is about to dry up." You know, I probably was getting a spam call a day on like, "Hey, have you ever heard of this program called employee retention?" By the way, I was getting it from my bank. So like I I from like my bank, which is, you know, seemingly legit. It's like, hey, it's so-and-so calling from blank bank. I'm like, okay, cool. What's up? You know, and they're like, hey, have you learned about the ERC credit? So yeah, it's interesting what's happening. Speaking of banks, talk about your expansion and how, uh, talk about your expansion. We talked about it on the podcast and right. And I think we were giving you, my appetite was not there in terms of that, that risk per square foot and stuff like that. And we were, you know. You were vulnerable and open and sharing what it's going to be for. And then luckily you did that because. Yeah. Like, you know, the reason 1001 for a dental practice podcast, I got a letter. Shout out to Johnny Guzman. I don't know you. I can't <laughs> reference you. I can't say you're, you're legit or not. I hope you are. But this is the VP of business development for the healthcare practice finance group out of Citibank in New York. He said, I was listening to your podcast last night and heard you speak about your plans for expansion. You mentioned you were quoted an interest rate of over 7%, if I'm not mistaken. And he said, I just want to reach out to let you know that Citibank is for this type of loan would be 4.49% fixed for 120 months. So I don't know if that's smoke and mirrors, but well, uh, I mean, look, that's, about, that's about what the 11 11- year month t-bill is right so like they're just saying hey right, that's a rate, Pete. it's definitely a low rate it's a fantastic rate right but i'm saying and i'm not saying it's i wasn't making it and equating it to a t-bill i was just saying that like they're basically taking that as an ac- opportunity uh, an acquisition cost to say hey let's let's get this guy in our ecosystem into our flywheel because Dent- banks love dentists you know landlords love dentists 
everyone 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 loves a dentist so yeah i saw that on twitter by the way pete and now i'm getting every time i talk over you now i'm thinking about that review we just got where it's like hey pete's awesome craig stopped talking over him (laughs) you love that one no i did i didn't i just sent him a thousand bucks on the side keep it up but (laughs) so anyway Peter's been super prolific on Twitter. Super proud of you. Posting all sorts of really good content. You can find him on, it's not Twitter, it's X. I'm sorry. Peter's on X at Peter Bolden. And we both follow a strip mall guy. And he says, here are the top thousand tenants ranked from best to worst. And that landlords love the most. Number one was dentist. And he writes all the way down to like 999 karate studio. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, banks want to loan money to dentists because we don't go out of business. We we may not make it. We may not make entrepreneurial profit after everything's done, but we'll definitely always pay our bills. So yeah. uh, this shout out to Johnny. He's those banks might be realizing like, hey, in this really scary environment, we want to go back to basics. When the economy's great, dentists are loved, and when the economy's bad, dentists are loved. You know, so. I'm going to tell you why I got active again on there. Uh, it's because I have a, had a couple of data points. One, I had a conversation with, you know, this gentleman, his name's Raul Shezed, I think is how he pronounced his last name. Anyway, yep. he's really, he's really on there talking about real estate and healthcare, real estate. And anyway, he and I got on the phone and he was like, dude, I, I've had more opportunities and high interaction, you know, high quality interactions than on, you know, than on, from Twitter than, than Instagram by a value. I mean, I'm sorry, by the LinkedIn by a value of about a hundred. So he's basically saying LinkedIn, even though it, quote unquote, yes, it's the platform for business. If you've ever spent time on LinkedIn, you want to get out of there as, as fast as possible because it's literally just people soliciting you. Hey, you got 30 minutes to have a meeting. Hey, 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 right. Versus Twitter, it's engagement and you have to kind of flex from a meritocracy standpoint, like what you're doing or the IP that you present. And so he's like, dude, I really encourage you to kind of spend some more time. And this was literally last week. And Craig, in that amount of time from last week that he that he and I had the conversation, I was like, all right, you know what? I'll take his advice and go for it. So I started getting a little more active. And I've made, I've had three big time people reach like DM and get in and be like, hey, I'm doing this. You want to have a conversation? And who knows? Nothing may come of it, but like life is about conversations and right. And sometimes finding that magic combination of connections and putting the right people in the petri dish. And you never know, right? And sometimes you have to kiss a lot of frogs and go through a lot of things, but but at least you're in the mix, right? And without that, you know, sometimes it's it's uh, I don't know. So that that's why you're seeing this. You were even pinging me when you were in Italy, and you were saying, "Well, dude, what's going on?" Oh, I um, love it because and, and, what's great about Twitter, and I'm just kind of new to it too, Peter. Sorry to, for interrupting you, and whoever wrote that review is going to be so self-conscious of this. You're so I self-conscious. Of this. I couldn't even talk to you anymore. No, but we need like a moderator or whatever. But uh, I think one of the things that's so great about X, I guess we have to call it X now, is that you're rewarded for the content that you put out first. So you're putting out these pithy tweets that are value packed and you're probably very deliberate. You're probably spending, looks like you're spending a good deal of time making sure that they're accurate and good and, and, and to the point, and it's getting a lot of traction. Whereas like maybe the other, you know, Instagram, you post your food. Facebook, you post, I don't know what you post on Facebook, but you know, snaps are one thing, but like, it seems like X Twitter is, is the place where intellect is the currency. Amen. So, you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Yeah. Like how many of us have been on the Instagram and like, we all look, we all go there for entertainment. 
Um, and that's kind of what it is. My wife says to me, she's like, you know, I don't know if you're really that smart or if you just get all your information from Twitter. <clears throat> it's awfully kind of her, but like, you know, it's maybe a combination of both. You're probably right because you're right, Craig. There is a lot of intellectual conversations happening. Ones that either, and I honestly get on there to be honest, because I like seeing what's happening in other sectors of business because there is a direct analog to dentistry and a lot of things. And sometimes it will cause ideation of, huh, never thought about that. Let me do that. Let me, let me see if that can be applied to what I'm doing, whether it's in Bulletproof or practice ownership or whatever. So it's a very cool space to like, you know, when I'm bored, instead of looking at someone's cat pictures or, you know, their kid's sports game that they post on Instagram, I'd rather use my, my, my free time, my social media time on something that's like, huh, that was a really good idea, you know? So that's kind of where I am. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm so yeah. happy that on it. It was actually Michael Moreno. Shout out to Michael Moreno, who's like, yeah. hey, get involved, get on it, uh, which is really good. Well, so his partner was the one. His partner is the one who who I had that call, that call with. Yeah, so they're-, they're And he, you know how I got to know him? A cold call. Cold no call way. a couple of years ago. Like, sale lease back on my building. Like, that was how that all started. And he was just, he's great at cold calling. Like, he really engaged me, like, early on in the conversation. And it yeah, it's it's really it's really a neat story, but yeah, I'm super proud of what you're doing. Very cool. Well, thanks, Bob. Thanks. So next on the docket is something that's very important because my remarkable just ran out of battery. No, <laughs> man. You know that Amazon just came out with one. It's like that too. The 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 whatever their Kindle now writes like a remarkable. So I was like, you know, I was thinking about that from you know, bear with me on this business analogy, right? Whenever we look at your business, you have to make sure you look at the moat. They call it the moat of how you're insulating your investment, your time, your business. And you wanted that moat. If you think about it like a king in a kingdom, you want to make that moat as big and that drawbridge as long as possible so that you are kind of as bulletproof as possible in your business. And so I was thinking about like the remarkable thing that you just held up the other day. And then Amazon comes out with it. So Amazon has a tablet, right? Let you read books. It's kind of the same thing as the remarkable other than the fact that it didn't let you draw on it. So, so unfortunately, Remarkable's moat was very skinny in that they were they all all they had to be to be disrupted almost probably to 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 bankruptcy in, in time, we'll probably see, is Amazon coming out with one feature on their notebook, on their on their uh, on their audible notebook. You, you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So they are one feature away from disrupting their entire model that right. other companies. Right. And so when you're looking, and so it's great when times are good and, and you're selling a lot of remarkable tablets, it's great. But then it captures the attention, Amazon saying, holy shit, this is a lot of market share we're losing out. Hey, engineers, can you can you guys make us have a little pencil and make the screen right on? Yeah, you yeah. can do that. No problem. We'll have it out next quarter. Boom, done. Yeah, it's the Kindle scribe. And they're looking at right that now. data, no different than the Amazon brands you see, right? The batteries now that you see, like they have, the data is the sales of, the data is the true, is the true power of that because they can see the sales. <clears throat> yeah, it's wild. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, I want to, you know, now that I have you, what you pinned sorry, into a one. corner, uh, do I have a delay? No, no, no. I'm just trying to solve my problem of interrupting you. I just can't help it. <laughs> I think it might be a form of Tourette's. It's called like podcaster Tourette's. I want to just end like kind of book, book note or bookmark what you just said about the moat. You've always said historically to me that you love dentistry because of the moat that dentistry provides. Mm-hmm medicine you don't have to be a medical doctor to open up multi-medical practices and you can get a lot of heavy hitters coming into it but the moat that we have in dentistry is that you need to be a dentist in in these in every state to own the dental practice 
and even well, not every state, DSO. not every state, but but you are right. The DSO, the DSO, although is a workaround, it still requires dentists at some level, and is more friendly towards dentists. And the the moat exists in dentistry for us, which is you know thank God for that because you know an average business idea and 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 business mediocre business idea in general business is usually revolutionary in dentistry. Well, think about this for a second, right? Think about the moat. It's pretty expensive to go to dental school. It's pretty hard to get into dental school. It's pretty hard to graduate from dental school. Pretty hard to get financing to open a practice. Once you so every layer of hard, right, is is increasing your moat in terms of the economy in my opinion. Right? As my granddad always said, if it was easy, everyone could do it and everyone will do it when it's easy. But when it's hard, it's the hard shit that we that we get grumpy pants about. Like, God, it was so hard, and I have so much debt. Gosh, opening a practice is so hard. Gosh, running dentistry is so hard. Gosh, doing the dentistry. So this is an, another reason why I just love dentistry is because all those things, right, create job security in our economy, right? And maybe maybe you're, even if you're just middle of the road and you're doing kind of what the national average is, it's still a really great living. You still very fulfilling. It's just a great profession. But because of that access, because of that moat, you're not competing with the likes of everyone who's trying to open a restaurant because everyone can open a restaurant. Therefore, it's super competitive. Therefore, the rates, you know, it's supply and demand. If you're competing at that level, Craig, then that's why restaurateurs have inverse success ratio than dentists do, right? Dentists hardly ever fail unless they get hooked on pills or something else. It's usually something catastrophic. So and it often compresses their profitability. A restaurant's profit, if it's kicking ass, is like what eight percent, ten percent. So like the competition and the level of, of of forces that are in the restaurant business are compressing profitability too. But then you take, but then you take an industry, right? All the aforementioned, I just then you take an industry like that, all the barriers to entry. Then you take an industry that is really composed of a lot of people who are highly technical. Agreed. Yes, high detail, risk averse, highly technical. Right. And now you throw in something that says, hey, I would really like to be more, I would really like to compete in this space because I have dreams and desires and a vision for multiple locations or a bigger practice than what my dental instructor said I could have kind of thing, right? Dental school instructors. And so it makes it a prime platform to be able to get whatever you want, right? If you don't want to do anything and don't want to take risks, great. Good life. You're going to have a great life. You're going to fill, you're going to change a lot of people's lives and you're going to make a, a pretty baseline down the middle of the road income in terms of a dentist, uh, right? But if you want to, if you want to kind of open multiple locations or get into real estate or get involved in a lot of things, that's what I'm saying. This is, that's where the whole freedom of direction thing, Craig, I think comes from. And it's mainly because of the moat we are talking about, right? Because yeah, it's not so a million people page. being able to compete against us. Right. And I also think selection bias, like what has you be good at organic chemistry may not be having you be good at being an entrepreneur. So like the fact that you can navigate successfully school mean if you can navigate school successfully, it typically means you're a rule follower. To be a amazing entrepreneur, it typically means you're great at being a rule breaker. So it's like this other level of moat as well that the people that pursue dentistry like you said are risk averse and good students and you know i think what has you be good at school also sometimes competes with having you be as an entrepreneur naval ravikant famously said on one of his tweet storms recently like if you need a degree to do it it will never make you wealthy meaning 
you get so specialized, so much training that you're forced to trade your actual productivity of your two hands or your one mind for your revenue. Lawyers, architects, dentists, doctors, all of us. So it's mm. an interesting thing. It requires a shift. And we've said it before on the pod that we think, or at least I, I believe, some of the greatest dental entrepreneurs that I've ever met were not amazingly gifted clinicians. They didn't do what you did. They didn't become, you know, through they didn't go through the AACD and COIS. They they saw three years of dentistry, clinical dentistry. They said, I know how to do a filling in a crown. This is boring as hell. I don't want to, I don't know what FMRs and diagnostic wax ups and all on four is all about. So screw that. I'll just open up my second, third, fifth, and 20th practice instead. Yep. Yep. I literally had that conversation yesterday with a gentleman I just kind of gotten to know. He's a dentist, you know much younger than me and much farther along in terms of um, it ultra clear, ultra clarity on what he wanted to do. And it was, you know, real estate and things like that. And he was just moving along like crazy. But already had like five practices at age 34 and and just knew that. Right. And so that that's what that whole, that's why I love and and, and I roll my eyes sometimes over it, but I do like it. Then the know thyself when you can get clear who you are, what, what lights you up, what pulls you to that vision that you have versus pushing you or someone else inauthentic. When you get some clarity on that, that's when, that's when magic shit starts happening. And, and I'm like probably the least woo guy on the, on this podcast right now by a factor of 10. Yeah, like you're more woo now than ever before. I really am because, because look, I'm woo woo because I see the freaking value in it and that it, it, I'm like, all right, I see where the rubber meets the road. And then when you ha sit there and have hard conversations with yourself, right. And sit there and, and put your phone away. And really get clear on what you want the rest of your freaking life to look like. Not just in your business, not just in your clinical acumen, but your family, your marriage, your or your friends, your time off, your experiences. Like, what do you want to see? Because you get one freaking ticket. And so when you spend some time, and sometimes, and Craig, I got to tell you, for much of my life, it was very uncomfortable for me to have, for me to, I didn't really want to peel the layer back of onions on myself. I did not want to peel, if I was an onion, I didn't want to peel back my layers. Because I was afraid of what I might find. Interesting. You know, and because I liked the topical, like what I could see, right? But when you started kind of unwrapping things, I was like, man, maybe, maybe I'm going to start showing some vulnerabilities. And I can't show vulnerabilities, not to myself, because what if that changes the way I act and all these things? So I kind of left, you know, I kind of functioned from a place of per protection. Um. So anyway, we're kind of all over the place. But I know I, I really don't want to let that go, though, if you don't mind, Peter. What? So... So when did the shift, when was the initial like, okay, I'll put, I'll peel back a couple more layers. I think having, I think having kids, right. Thinking, yeah. you know, having, being, being forced to look outside myself for, for once, yeah. you know, I was able to live my life for me uh, until them. And uh, yeah, I think it was, I think it was around that shift that I, that I needed to kind of dig deeper and find out because I had some ticks of things that ticks, meaning I had some things that not <laughs> physical ticks. That sounded weird, but I had some, some tells or some ticks yeah, things that I didn't we, like. We all yeah. got that crap, man. We all got that stuff. So anyway, and so well, it was interesting. Know, we just had our mastermind call and I was listening to someone say, you know what I really need to do? I just need to sit down for a day and like spend some time with myself, asking myself these questions, drawing out this vision, getting crystal clear clarity. Cause because although I thought I was clear, I'm really not. And I was like, that's such a profound awareness to say, I need a day with just me, no phone, no whatever, just to get clear on what I want to do with the rest of my life. And you, you and I kind of, you know, 
on the downward slope. I think it starts really impacting you then because you give, give less shits about what people think when I think you're on the downward slope of your life. And I said, you know, if we're assuming that our lives are, in, are, are 80 years then you're kind of on the downward ride and you start giving less and less of you know, two shits about what other people think and kind of thinking like, man, am I making an impact? Am I creating a legacy for the people that I love? You know, and, or have I spent all this time like, you know, doing shit for other people that I don't really give a shit about? profoundly said and kicking the ass about this whole conversation is it comes in tranches like you have a great game plan i, I hate using the word vision because people like think of vision as some like sort of hallucinogen that they ingest and they go to the desert and find what they're supposed to do it's a game plan you have a great game plan you achieve it a decade goes by and that no longer fulfills you and it's a requirement as a human being to like re-examine now what's the next chapter what's important again and I've watched your evolution being your friend. And even like on a recent tweet, like this morning, you wrote something like some, someone said, like, who is ever into this whole hustle porn, like always achieving and 24 seven work. And well, I remember that was a thing right back in. No, I know okay. Gary V. Yeah. Gary V talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. The, I can yeah so yeah, I can outwork you. And, and, and I think that's an alluring and sexy narrative, but at the end of the day, I know a lot of people who are hustling and are really toxic. Like that mm -hmm. tweet was saying, mm -hmm. I was in a trip with a bunch of those guys recently. So it's, you know, when you don't have it, you think that this somehow mythically, when I arrive at this place where I have all this resources and money and time off or whatever, that I'm going to be happier and you get all of it. It's like, okay, now I have to dig deeper. So pointing to my own layers of the onion, I've got to go deeper now again, because it's like, you know, what's my next chapter looking like? Well, you know, I have to tell you, I prepared a completely different pod from where we are today. And it's going over attracting a talent. How do you keep them? We're going to save that until we have the two, the other two guys with us, because I think it'll be more collaborative. I do want to tell you a couple of cool things that have been working on and, and you actually were able to experience one in a beta form. Oh, so super cool. The, yeah. The, so this is where the, I think the tin hat where you got that busted on the comment because I'm a tin hat and technologist and things like that. So I took AI, right? Because I'm really interested in it. And I was like, how can this help Bulletproof? Or how could this help dentist? And I don't know how, Craig, this is going to be disseminated, but it's a really cool. So there's a thing in a, everyone always thinks about GPT in terms of, okay, I log in, I ask it a question, it gives me an answer potentially. The quality of your, of your, of your prompt meaning what you're asking for and little tricks around is something called prompt engineering and which really dictates how well the response you can get. So you can start training it just the basic GPT, but there are things called custom LLMs, right? Large language models where you can actually, you can load up your own data. So they're called vectors. They're kind of vectors of databases and you upload data to then have it kind of go through your, so you can basically chat with your documents, if you will. Like, so from a PL perspective, you could chat with them and be like, hey, how are things looking from a forecast thing standpoint? Or you could upload. So I said, you know what? We have over 300 podcasts. We have a book. We have all these content that we've created from, from summits and such. And so I developed this basically a custom LLM for Bulletproof. So we had, had 300 of the websites 300 of the podcast transcribed. You can imagine the, the corpus of data that that is, plus the manuscript of the book, plus all the PDFs that we do from the field manual and stuff. And so I loaded all this in and connected it to, to chat GPT-4. And so then I sent it to you and you were just like, what the hell have you done? Yeah, crazy. It was crazy. You know, 
And and it was crazy probably because you you sensed a lot of your own tone in there, right? Like meaning you sensed your fingerprint on that because it did it did extract a lot of that from from what you had said. Meaning it wasn't just a question that went right through GPT. It went through all of the podcast, all of the book, all of this, and then it gave you an answer kind of thing. So I'm still waiting on on how we're going to disseminate this. Maybe it lives just on the website. And if someone wants to chat with Bulletproof GPT, that would be cool. Um, the cool thing is, and I and I think this is this is a, a feature and a bug of me, Craig, is that I intellectually curious about a lot of things. I also then think that I'm the person that that needs to learn it. And it's frustrating because A, I don't have the bandwidth of time to really dive into a lot of the the wormhole stuff I want to go down, whether it's Bitcoin or crypto or AI or Twitter or whatever, right? But it is intellectually satisfying to, to be able to put something together like that because look, I'm as a dentist. I was not trained on tech like that. But obviously there are people who are far more advanced in the AI, in the AI sector. And I think this applies to 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 the marketing, which I always say in my marketing lectures, you know, these marketing lectures aren't designed to bring you to become a marketing expert in one hour, but they are designed to give you awareness so that you potentially don't get taken advantage of, or you don't feel vulnerable when you have a conversation with someone about marketing or AI or whatever, that you can at least partake in that, in that, in that examination. So, you know, but again, it's kind of just, it's a little bit of a curse. Plus there was something in your college training or your, your schooling where you, you delved into software computer. Yeah. Like, I was a computer was science TA. So yeah, I was but a bio your first job. Like, didn't it translate into something that you were doing some software, like for that dentist you were working with? I remember your story you said, and by the way, that story you gave when we were up with Ryan up, you know, having a meeting at Atlanta, that was freaking unbelievable. We have to do that as a podcast. I had no idea about your first job, no idea. But like, remember how you got, you were doing like some sort of tinkering or something. Computer yeah. Well, practice. because I had some, you know, this is circa 2001. And because I, I had just come kind of, I was fresh with technology that entered a practice that, you know, basically it was my sole job to become indispensable because I was getting paid literally nothing, literally, literally almost nothing. I offered to work for nothing. So they, they then acquiesced to paying me as $26,000 a year as attendance for, for like an assistant at the time. That's so your first dental job was $26,000 yeah. per year. For a year. Yeah. For a year. That's awesome. And, and yeah. so, and, and guess what? Fast forward 18 months, I'm offered partnership. That's awesome. And it was because of the fact that I knew that I, Hey, but look, it was a different time. I had, I had, I had a little apartment. I had tons of time and I had no wife or kids or nothing. Right. So I had, it was literally just dentistry all the time or the business of dentistry all the time or photography or, you know, whatever. But, but I knew, and I think this is a good lesson for, for all things. And, you know, and I preach this to my children is that you are rewarded in proportion to the value you create in society. Of course. And that same society thing applies. owes you nothing. Society owes you nothing. And the problem is Pete, and I know I'm interrupting your flow here. We're being, our kids are being taught that there's, there's rules in school and there's rules in life and they're being set up in school that everything is fair and equity and all that. And they get out into life and it's really a major fall for them to fall from this platform that's being supported that everything's equitable. It's not. Life is not equitable. Life rewards those who provide, you know, 
support to it. It really is true. I think it, I think it, I think the companies or the practices you may enter are, are direct little microcosms. So Greg, I knew my way to higher income was through being indispensable, right? Being almost too good to lose, so to speak. And so I was like, when it was like, Hey, I can take over this in the practice. I can take over this. I'll take over photography. I'll take over the computers. I'll take over watching your dog, whatever it was, I'll take it over. And, and so that's, you know, that story we're tiptoeing around. That being said, I did learn it was a tremendous experience, right? Even though I left that experience, it was a tremendous experience. And, uh, and, and you've actually met her now because she was at the AACD lecture. We did sitting right there front, front row supporting and being cool. She's a, she's a good, good, nice lady. And she taught me a lot. Honestly, that was the first place, Craig, this is going to go somewhere. Bear with me. That was the first place that I saw the impact that dentistry could have. Yes, by the dentistry, the life-changing dentistry. But I saw the way that the customer experience, right? The patient experience was the difference. And so you don't know this. I know we tiptoed around this, but you don't know this. But we'll be publishing a book here pretty soon, you and I, again. I'm laying it down. It's because the patient experience weaves its way. There's almost nothing that it doesn't touch inside of dentistry, right? From from the marketing aspect all the way to the post-op call or to the referrals you ask for, the reviews. The patient experience is all the way through that. And when you can nail that, when you become obsessed with that, like you and I have, right? I think that's what you and I, when we first had our phone call, and we first ever met in 2016 and we were comparing notes and flexing to each other of the shit we've done. That was the thing that was the parallel was that we were, we were ultra focused on the outcomes for people, way we made them feel and, and, you know, the environment, making, making a nice environment and paying attention to the five senses, the way the practice looks, the way it smells, the way it sounds. Is dentistry painful? Are we taking our time with them? Are we being, you know, are we treating them like a guest in our home? And so. It's, it's a book that needs to be written because I think, and I was just describing this, or maybe it was on Twitter, Craig, honestly, my conversations are now flowing together. But, but I think, look, if, if dentists are worried about DSO consolidation or if they're worried about DSO competition, the one way out of this, the one way where you can make yourself bulletproof is by creating such a remarkable experience for your patients that can't be recreated at the scale level. Unless it's a really good, I haven't seen a DSO that's been able to do this yet, but the ground game, the customer service, the rapport, the, the post-op, like the whole thing buttoned up all the way through. I haven't seen anyone at scale be able to do this, like large scale, but it can be done. In, in dentistry, you're saying. In dentistry, yeah, sorry. But it can be done in a lot of the practices we talk to in our practices because we're operating those, right? We, we can pivot and move very, very nimbly, nimbly right? Very quickly through things we can change and adapt versus, and that's, that's an advantage. That's a superpower versus, you know, the big, big corporate industry. Like everything has to flow through all the channels of, of bureaucracy. Well, you have to deploy it as anything deployed at scale is hard. I mean, Papa John's first pizza restaurant was probably badass. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know his 1050th store is probably not the same. I mean, but as you know, Henry Ford once said, quantity has a quality all of its own. Mm -hmm. You know, when someone asked them, are you quantity or quality? It's true. I mean, you know, there are, there are DSOs that are coming out, de novo DSOs that are pretty damn good at what they're doing. They're better than anything we saw 10 years ago. For and sure. 
Aspens are better today than they were 10 years ago and Pacifics are better. So, so I think the patient experience is an important factor that a lot of people are finally fully appreciating. I mean, it's, I think it was, it was missed for a long time. And I think dentistry does it better than, than, than medicine for sure. You know, and, and other medical disciplines like dart. I think we, I think dentistry does it the best. I'm just saying like, there's just such a way to be remarkable because everyone's scared of dentistry and no one really likes going to the dentist. And, and so when you're, when you're, you can empathize with that and create an experience that mitigates that for people, man, you start, you start getting people talking. Yeah. The post-op call is like just the crazy thing. Like, oh my God, my dentist called me. I've never had that in my 42 years. Like took you 10 seconds and now you just got three people that heard about you, you know? So little shit like that. Um, there was something else I was going to tell you. And, and of course I, I didn't write it down. So it's flew by, flew by and has gone. You know, it's funny coming back to the uh, dental AI, the Bulletproof AI, I was asking it all sorts of stuff. Like who's taller? Peter Bolden's taller. So you know what it is? <laughs> AI only sees us sitting down. That's the thing that you with your massive torso and my micro torso. only feels our masculine energy and it just assumes. <laughs> yes. Yes. For the record. My for the record so we, we upload this podcast. I am taller, but only by like two inches. Right. But it's all in your torso and my legs or whatever. But it's funny. Like, you know, I'll stand next to you and be like, damn, he's tall. Look at these long legs. And then you and I will do sit down and do recordings and stuff. And, and, <laughs> and everyone's always like, Craig, are you, are you sitting up straight? Are your back hunched? I'm not, I'm not. And it's just, I have an exceptionally long torso and you have exceptionally long legs. It's funny. Um, <laughs> you know, together we'd be like seven foot three. We would, we would be, we'd Amazing. be cocky as hell. We sure would be. Um, all right, bud. Well, I don't know. Going down, man. Not, about the, about uh, the rural practice update. I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, let me give you a couple updates. We're about to actually open up my fifth Atlanta dental spa location next week. I saw and it. It's that, awesome. You did see it? Oh, I sent you a picture. Yeah, well, I saw the drive the frame out and stuff. It was really okay. Well, now it's really now cool. it's done. And uh, and you know, I I enjoy the, you know, it's probably it's probably a lot like pregnancy, although I've never been pregnant. But when you're going through it, it's like, oh my God, this is hard. You know, I don't want to do this again. And then every time you do it, you see the end product, you're like, that was magical. This thing is magical. Look at it. And you forget about all the ass kicking for the four, five, six months prior. But now we're at the fun stage where, you know, I'm designing art and I've got some cool things coming from Etsy and just really making it unique and really looking at the flow and hooking up TVs and shit, stuff like that. Right. So that's the, that's the fun stage, right? grinding of concrete and placing pipes and yelling at your plumbers because they're not putting 45 degree bends in, they're doing 90 degree bends. That's the shit that drives you crazy. Yeah. Which by the way, if you're constructing your office, construct the plumbing. I mean, inspect the plumbing. Absolutely. Don't let them put in 90 degree bends. You would think that would be commonplace. You think every plumber would have to know about Bernoulli's principle or Bernoulli's law, but they don't. Um, yeah. By the and, way, you know how it, I'm putting the vacuum lines in from my new, op, my new ops on the outside of the building. I'm going to go all the way around the outside. That's so genius. Yeah, who, who brought that up? My Patterson rep is like, so the only thing with that though, Craig, you're going to have to worry about, well, you don't have water lines. You just have vacuum. It's, it's just freezing. And you also have Florida, which you don't have to worry about freezing. So never mind. Yeah. Um, Isn't that wild? That is pretty wild. And I guess that's, you know, I don't see a massive advantage of that other than if you have a fracture in a line, it's much easier to replace than it is cutting up concrete. But, it's pretty rare. Oh, shit. If I knowing what I know now, I would have loved to have run all the vacuum on the outside. 
Yeah, but why? Imagine that. Just tee it off onto every room. Just because it's crunching. I see. Because the power would be, you would not have to, to this circuitous pathway through your building to get to every chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all my chairs face outside. I've designed my building and like your Johns Creek office. It's the same thing. Yep. So, yeah. So I'll give you an, I'm actually building another building here. I'm actually just, I just signed the, um, so I'm doing a 1031 exchange, which is. Is that the one up by, uh, in Blue Ridge? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, cool. It's up there. It's up in Blairsville. Yeah. So I've, I've signed the contract on the land doing it. I'm selling a building here in Atlanta. I'm doing a 1031 getting the land. The land's quite expensive for what I'm getting, but it's, it's where all the growth is going, but it's, I'm finally being able to build this building that I designed probably two years ago. It's just real glass and modern looking and cool and, but not like over the top. It's really just like a pitch roof, but, um, but I might implement that although it gets pretty cold, but I, I do like that, that, that plumbing thing you talked about or a floating floor actually since you're going design up ground up a floating floor seems so cool to me like modular and you can lift it all up and move plumbing around imagine if we had that in our offices you know so there's a false floor and all the plumbing's underneath it'd be so badass to plumbing and wires right it'd be so much that's what i'm saying everything yeah yeah i mean so what is your plan one dental office and retail space on either no, side well, yeah i'm glad you asked actually uh so it's going to be about five thousand so the building's about eight thousand square feet um it's about 5,000 for the office that I'm moving there, right? And then I'm leaving that 3,000 open, which ironically, I've already had people be like, hey, can we lease that like a, like a firehouse sub? They're like, we'll lease it. I was like, I don't think that's really what I want to do. But look, beggars can't be choosers. But my idea, my ideal thing to do would be to open up a kids in ortho in that town because there's not one for about 50 mile radius. And but I can't, I can't implement that, right? As a generalist, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't set that up. But that would be my goal is to kind of set up, A, to give access to the, for the, for the community, but B, it's just a massive opportunity for no, for no access. To, I mean, meaning- So let me read between the lines. If you're a pediatric dentist or an orthodontist looking <laughs> to live in the Blairsville, Georgia area, which Mark, Mark my words, is an amazing place. I've spent a lot of time there. Hit up Peter. Yeah, North Georgia. Yeah, hit me up because like, honestly, like I'd be amenable to kind of immediate partnership with something like that, right? Because I just think it's, yeah. and A, you have a large practice next door and, you know, I've got two in the area to refer to already. It would just- Yeah, it's it'd be instantly be, successful. Instantly, instantly successful. successful. You just got to yeah. get it get it done. So that's exciting. And Craig, that, you know, back to know thyself to bring this podcast full circle, you know, building has always been something like just, when I say building, I mean anything. I mean, I mean, building- stuff on my car or building a tree fort or building what, or building a building now or building a dental practice. Building has always been like in my DNA for whatever reason. I'm not saying construction, but sometimes just the idea of it. I always said if I wasn't a dentist, I probably would have been an architect because I like that whole, I'm going to build this, envision this. And so knowing myself right now, I'm really excited by this. Yes, it's going to be a lot of money to build a building, but I feel it's like my destiny. I feel it's like my destiny to, to build, build this. And it's, it's just lighting me up at, at this stage of my career. So, That's awesome. That's super yeah. cool. Hey, I got a, I got a call to action as well now that you jogged my memory. So uh, a friend of mine has a dental practice up in Stewart, Florida, and he owns about five different practices. And this one area is by and large the most successful Stewart's location awesome. that he has. Stewart, mm-hmm. Florida is cool, by the way. It's awesome. definitely, it's like the next Jupiter. So anyway, I uh, talked to a guy who did the dentographics for the space and he's like, it's an ideal place for a startup. So I know I pitched you on the idea about doing mm-hmm. a Florida startup, um, but is if this wants in to- your shopping center that you have? Yes. Yeah, so in my shopping center. So 
really great what did the what did the dentographics say about it essentially like Uh, meaning i I sent it to you but yeah you did tell me tell me what specifically i'll i'll uh i would like in that scenario i would like to see kind of a a ratio of population to dentist ratio um yeah and even though it doesn't matter you know we always talk look typically most practices across the nation, Craig, are about 2,000 to one, right? For every 2,000 residents, there's about one dentist. And that's about what you experience in most cities. Um, obviously, you can, you can enter a market like that when there's stiff competition and do well just by doing well, but it takes a little longer. So when you can start finding it where it's 5,000, 6,000 to one, 7,000 to one, 8,000. Yeah, that's what this was. This was up there. Makes it so that that the speed to to your plateau happens much faster. And, and, and that's not the only metric I look at. But I got to say, I do look at that much. Like sometimes we seek places based on the household income, right? Do you ever, do you ever look at that statistic where it's all the average course, household yeah. income? And I got to say, like, that's a very misleading statement because some of my most profitable pound for pound practices are in areas where you'd say, oh, they're a town's broke potentially, or, or that's not as good as it is Atlanta or Buckeye or whatever. Um, so I don't look at that as heavily. The other thing I would, uh, the other thing that I would look at if I were you is just geographic distance to another one. And, and then how big of a radius are, are they looking? So for rural, you have to spread it out. So usually it's a five mile thing you look at, you know, you do one, three and five miles and for rural, sometimes you spread it out to kind of what, what's in the 10 mile radius, but, but Stuart's not rural by any means. No, no, no. It's I'm just kind of talking. I'm talking while I'm giving you time while you're looking at your data so you can get your ducks in a row. No, I don't have it. I'm just trying to find it. I don't remember what it was, but I send it to you. I'm like, do you want to do it? You're like, Hey, give me the details. I'll send you the uh, demographics, but listen, if someone wants to beat us to the punch, and they are looking to open up a practice in Stewart. Hit me up. It's a really cool center. But you know, you and I should really consider it. It'd be fun. Dude, I'm down. I am I am bullish on dentistry, just like I'm bullish on Bitcoin. Yeah. What's up with that, by the way? I know you you bought some I'm buying dollars I am ago. Continually buying. The United States just you know what the debt level just tra- tra- passed was? No. Thirty three trillion as of last week. Thirty three trillion. So you tell me. How this ends, and America is the greatest com- country on the planet. But like, there is a point where you where it becomes ridiculous to get to pull out of. So where I am, where am I on Bitcoin? The happening, the happening is happening in six months from now, right? It's an event that happens only every four years. The ETF is bound to be approved. You don't know what I'm saying. Bound to be approved this year, right? Yeah. Um, BlackRock's involved. Look, look. Don't listen to what people say. Look at what people are doing. And almost every institution that has trillions of dollars under management is going all in. And, yeah. and you're not hearing about it because guess what? That's not aligned with their profitability. Meaning if everyone, there were news stories, if they were saying, hey, we're going all in, then, then, uh, then obviously that would, be, <laughs> that would be defeating their own objective of getting cheap. So again, maybe I have some bias in this, Craig, but I've had it for a long time, right? As you know. Oh yeah, you've maintained the same position forever. Yeah, I mean, six, seven years now. So um, we just had our roomy anniversary, by the way. We went to roomies, by the way. Remember? And I was like, was mm-hmm. that that table on May eighth, twenty twenty one? Yeah, and look, I you timed it. it. You timed it well, yeah. and you and you did well from it. But it wasn't. 
my thing, like I, I think I always told you, my thing was not get in, get out and trade like stock for me, more of like a libertarian, like don't tread on me kind of philosophy. Like I just didn't want people interacting. The thing that sealed it for me was that experience I told you about with COVID when I tried to go in money from my bank. And I was like, cause I thought there'd be a cash run. And I said, give me, you know, give me 10,000. And then I was like, no, no, give me 20. Cause then I was 20. like, I'm here, I might as well get it. And they couldn't produce it, nor could they, nor could they produce it like not there or not at another location or not just at that location. They had to order that amount of money from the Fed and it took three and a half weeks. And, and so that was scary. And it's just like the saying in, in crypto, Greg, not your keys, not your crypto. And the same thing applies with the bank. When you are not the custodian of that money, the bank has only given you an IOU for your money. It is technically not yours anymore. And yeah. if you look at their terms of service, well, it will say that. Well, clearly, look at what happened. I mean, you put your money in the bank because you think it's secure, and they put it in other assets to make money on your money. They well, give you your interest yeah, rate, but they're making money right? on it. It's crazy. It really yeah, is. I just don't have, have some, but I don't. I mean, what I, I got really lucky. I got that intel. I sold the Bitcoin. I bought the land. I doubled my money in the land. I bought the new land. So, you know, it's it's just another asset. And, you know, it's up until this point, there's been a lot of things that I would have thought that would have driven it to the moon. It's mm -hmm. taking longer than I expected. Yep. You know, yep. when Trudeau decided to seize the bank accounts of those truckers that refused mm -hmm. to get vaccinated, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, or when the U.S. decides to weaponize our currency, you know, with what we did with Russia, the, you know, the, the Russia conflict. I'm like, oh, shit. It's just it's behaving a little bit more like a correlated asset than I yep. would have thought. Yep. That's all. Yeah, that's fair. That that's just true. makes me confused. Yep. But yeah, I mean, like when you listen to Michael Saylor, was it Michael Saylor that did that one yeah. pressure test? And I mean, that's the most compelling argument for Bitcoin ever. I was yeah, like, after that. Too intelligent and too out there and too analytical almost. How was I he guess, doing, by the way? I don't know what his basis is for what he acquired most of them, but he's got you know over 100,000. MicroStrategy has about a, over 100,000. 100, um, all right. Um, so and it, last thing, we are we are toying between Craig and I are actively deciding when and where the next summit should be. Oh, good call to bring that Thank up. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna crowdsource this son of a bitch. That's right. That's right. So uh, we now, you know, we are looking between actually in Scottsdale because we know that Scottsdale is kind of the mecca of all of all dental stuff. Yeah. It's very centrally located for East Coast friends, our West Coast friends, and everyone enjoys going there. It's just the raw beauty, you know, the hikes and the things like that. <laughs> so we are we are back and forth between two places, the Fairmont and then the versus the uh, the Marriott Camelback, right off Camelback Mountain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so my thing was that we really, really encourage and push people to bring their teams because that's where we see the rubber meet the road. You know, if we wanted to have this fancy bougie conference where it was like just, you know, super expensive rooms and blah, 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 and it was just doctors, then that's a different story potentially, right? Because people have, you know, a doctor who's listening to this is like, yeah, I can, I'll splurge on myself because it's just me kind of thing. But when you are smart enough to bring your entire team, right? 30 or 10 people, 20, 30 people, you do quick math in your head of like the room nights, the amount of the cost of the room. And and I said to Craig on the side channel, like, you know, if, if, if we really want to make the greatest benefit and we see the greatest benefit happening when the hygienist comes and the team comes and all this stuff, then we really need to be uh, cognizant of the charges for the room. 
look at a hotel that's nice enough, but but is yeah. economic enough where people can can really invest in their team without paying six hundred dollars per night kind of thing for for each room. And so, you know, I think that's where our rub is: is that the Fairmonts a little more expensive? Um, yeah, they're both and, gorgeous. I'm literally dude, I've been, I've, been, I've had so many damn dental conferences. I've been to so many dental dental conferences, Craig, at that Marriott. It feels like like yeah, the Fairmonts CEO do that. Yeah, it's true. I've never so, been to these places. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. They look amazing. Um, and by the way, the rates that we're talking about that Lacey was writing down right now are about a third of what I'm seeing online already. So good job. Lacey. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm looking at what they are. I mean, I, I don't want to misquote because these are just, I don't want to say it publicly, but what I'm seeing right now is about one third of what the rack rate is. So again, like the win, I mean, bringing your team to the win was a super special experience. But I think that Vegas, although it's a great venue and the win was spectacular, you're competing mm -hmm. with Vegas. Right. And people want to go out and they want to see the concert. And they want to go out to the clubs and all that stuff. And it's just hard to do that much learning and that much intense development with your team when you have competing interests of Vegas on top of it. That's just my yep. thought. Agreed. All right, buddy. Good we stuff. will we will the next time the four of us together, we're gonna to talk about attracting A players, keeping A players, and giving A the A uh player patient experience and how all those kind of correlate together. So I have some good stuff prepared, but we're gonna put it on ice until the four of us because I want to, you know, I think it's the power of the four is is everyone comes at it from a little bit different philosophy. And so I want to hear uh what what our other two guys have to say. So that's it, buddy. I'm glad you're back stateside, man. You have been recreating enough, then it yeah. do some work. I know it's crazy. Hey, just as the little placeholder for everybody, Summit is looking like it's going to be June twelfth through sixteenth in Arizona. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. that's what I'm seeing here. And I'd love it if people comment. I'd love to crowdsource this. Camelback, Marriott Camelback, or the Fairmont Princess, both five star, four point five star hotels, four point seven ratings on Google. So I need some more context. It'd be cool to see what people want. So comment below if you uh, have a something to say about that. Okay, buddy. Over cool. now, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. See you next time, guys.